This is a Cyber Union Podcast, episode 87. Yes, Indie Ref, yes. Scotland, and with me is... Stephen in... Me- no, this is not Mexico City. This is Scotland in Glasgow. Stephen, are you in Glasgow? How'd How you, you get, get here? here? Are we on the same mic? No, this can't be possible. <laughs> We're face-to-face and seeing each other in 3D. This is so fucking weird. We've never done this before. Welcome to Glasgow. And Thank uh, you. It's, a, it's an entirely different... Uh, experience to record a podcast in 3d (laughs) it certainly is and i'm I'm gonna make this point right now um i've known you for god over three years now and i remember you telling me numerous times how cloudy um and gloomy this city is as the sun is shining directly into my eye (laughs) see this is what this is what Stephen does he turns up in midsummer in scotland gets a one single stream of sunlight piercing the otherwise uh overwhelming cloud and complains that it's too sunny and uh, i really think the next time he comes should be in early january yes and i'm sure i'll bring the sun because every time i tell other people here they said well you should keep coming back to bring the sun with you so maybe it's just my presence i might have that good of a presence i see well, quiet come, <laughs> come in january and see what happens so where have you been it's been months since we've recorded a podcast what's been going on um a lot actually um i don't even know where to be to honestly start uh it's i know the last episode we did was was may 1st um and i don't even know how much shit has happened in between then and now as we're dealing with political or with uh, uprisings going on in in gaza right now and uh attacks everywhere else as well as um just a lot of stuff Uh, i i I just can't even start to imagine where i started from but i know all i've been doing is a lot of stuff on civi crm Mm. (laughs) i've picked up too much of the civi crm in in the time um which is good actually in a lot of ways uh but also been doing a couple projects with glocal of course and that's expanding as as we go forward. Um, I believe we've been doing something with Glocal with Earth Learning, which is an organization out of Florida, um, and getting them set up on a CV Serum instance. Um, you actually have been learning some of that too, haven't you? Well, um, yes, I have. I've been learning CV Serum. Isn't my life exciting? Thank you for bringing CV Serum to my life. I feel more fulfilled now. Yeah, yeah. But I've been in Mexico. You've been traveling the world. What have you been up to? Yeah, I have. I've been doing lots of travel for work. Um, been to Geneva a couple of times. I've been to The Hague. I've been to Turin. Uh, I've been to Lockborough. Uh-huh. Uh, I've been to Portsmouth, and quite recently to Barnsley. Barnsley, very very exciting. And uh, what brings you to Scotland? Why are you here? I don't know. In fact, why are you in my lounge, sitting at my <laughs> table, complaining about my sunshine? Uh, well, I just came for for the clouds, and I got the sun instead. Um, well, uh, I think it started as a, it's becoming a tradition now. Uh, last year was to meet you in 3D. Um, that was, you know, weird for two seconds. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you got me hooked on this, the Global Labor Institute. Um, and last year you, you, you started this discussion about a yes vote, which I was curious to hear about more. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing that it's coming up, but we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, so I came back for the, the Global Labor Institute summer school initially. Uh, then I was supposed to go on vacation. And see, mm. my vacation got cut down because I got another job. 
Jobs suck, man. Yeah, I know. Do that stuff. Well, I keep getting jealous every time I talk to somebody in this in this region of the world, whether it be the UK or Europe. Everybody tells me they have five weeks of vacation. What the hell is five? I get five like in the US. You get you're lucky if you get five days for the year, not five weeks. Um, so definitely jealous of that. So I might be taking a vacation even later today to Edinburgh, but we'll see how that goes. Um, mm-hmm. I got to work on my Scottish accent. That's the other reason I'm here. Okay. And Perhaps to drink good beer. Perhaps don't test it on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. And to drink good beer, which I did do the other night, actually, um, with a pod crawl. I met Kevy and McNallu from the days of Identica to now the days of GNU Social, um, which was really cool to actually see them and as well as in 3D. And had a, a good time at the, was it the Putts? Pot still, Pot still mm-hmm. which is a whiskey bar, but I didn't actually end up having any whiskey. I ended up having beer and a really good one, the Enos and Gum Rum Finish beer. Enos and Gum Rum, rum Finish is a good beer. Yes. Yeah, that, that this is a beer that is is put into a rum or formerly a barrel that was used for rum, so it gets a nice finish of that rum flavor to it. I, I really enjoyed that a lot. I gotta say. Um, and bought Mac, Mac, McNallu a, a Bowmore Ten, I think is a ten year whiskey, uh, which I, I know he enjoyed. So, um, but uh, yeah, it was a good time. Uh, lots of politics, a lot of discussions that I wasn't actually anticipating. To be honest, I did not know too much of their politics, although I've followed them along the way, along the ways. We talked about Scotland again. We'll we'll get to the yes vote on that in a bit. Um, but yeah, that was. I mean, I don't want to go on forever talking about what's happened since May first. Mm-hmm. Because it's just way too much. <laughs> All right. Well, shall we uh, talk about last week? Yeah, we should actually get into wonderful world of tech, um, which I think I'm going to have to do the editing on this later. So we're not going to get in our wonderful segue. So we could just assume there's a segue there. Segue! <laughs> <laughs> the wonderful world of tech. Which for you is computers. I think we're in, involved in technology too much for the last week, so much that it is so fucking exhausting. Mm. Um, where, where do you want to start yeah, on what well, we did? So this is, this is where we were. We were at this thing called the Global Labor Institute International Summer School 2014, which is a school and conference, I guess, for what you could call global alt-labor, kind of the uh, alternative, more interesting, cutting-edge uh, trade unionists from from around the world and it really is a remarkable event there's around 100 people who come uh, and they come from all over the world from eastern europe from india from the philippines from hong kong uh, from south africa and uh, really from all over it's the third time i've been to this event and the people who turn up are people who are at the absolute coalface and the cutting edge of global trade unionism global class struggle the really most interesting uh edge of the, of the trade union movement and uh, they all have really wonderful inspiring politics and to be at that event is great for someone like me it feels like almost like family or you know like uh, it's not often that I'm, I'm able to spend a whole week with uh, so many people who, who think very much like I do and um, it's a it's a, the, the program is fantastic because you get these plenary sessions with people who are absolute experts in in whatever their particular field is and Mm -hmm. uh, and then there are these really interesting and inspiring um discussion groups afterwards and uh you know where we we kind of talk and debate these things what Stephen and i were doing was uh trying to capture all of this using technology and uh making it available making an interactive online element available to it so that included uh live streaming the plenary sessions, maintaining the Twitter feed, um, capturing pictures for Instagram, live blogging, 
um, uploading the the slides to uh, slide sharing site and uh, essentially making sure that everything that was happening in the conference room was simultaneously available online and that people could participate from all over the world. Uh, and it was very hard work. It was yeah. uh, there's a huge amount of attention to detail uh, going on and um, yeah and the, I, I kind of um, to be honest didn't actually enjoy the tech stuff that much <laughs> because when when you're doing that level of tech work there are too many variables mm-hmm. and you only control some of them there are some of those variables that you can control and you can make sure they, they work well but there are others which are just beyond your control and that includes uh, elements of proprietary software or internet connections and <laughs> networks and uh, the experience of other users and all sorts of things like that. So, Stephen, what was, yeah. your, what was your experience of the whole thing? Yeah, I mean, that, that was, that was uh, the challenging part was maintaining the text structures. I mean, we're so used to just having our laptop in front of us, but then you have the the people that are in the, the plenaries, the people that are at the tables, and the people asking questions from the audiences and, and further discussions, which... We, we didn't have exceptional levels of uh, technology that we could utilize in the room and set up in the entire room. So we couldn't put like a microphone out by where people were sitting to, to talk. Uh, so the microphone that was where the plenary, where the people, that the panelists were, were speaking uh, was the microphone that we were using to connect to everybody. Um, but then maintaining the camera angles and making sure that the quality is decent and then uh, making sure the streamline stays okay, which was also a struggle because we had to deal with an IT department that insisted numerous times that their wi-fi infrastructure was phenomenal and that we don't need to wire in now i don't know how many of you out there have dealt with that but i much prefer wired when we're dealing with a uh, shared wi-fi that everybody else in the room is going to be using uh, because then you have the separations of the two if you're on wired you're not going to be interfering with wireless and wireless is not going to be interfering with wired uh, and that became a bit of a struggle. So fortunately, well, sort of the first day we ran into that trouble. We had bad quality streaming. Um, but uh, finally, by the end of that day, we were able to convince the IT department that we needed a wired connection, which they had some weird fire, firewall set up that prevented it. Um, but once that happened, things improved um, much better for the next couple of days um, for the streaming side of things. Uh, but then our we, Thursday yeah, and uh, <laughs> we also have a, a love-hate relationship with Google don't we yes we do and so people know we had to use Google Hangout for the streaming because it streamlined a lot of the connectivity of it um, and we didn't have enough time to actually test the network to do other streaming structures uh, though we hope if we do this again next year that we'll have a much better setup to be utilizing an IceCast stream to do the streaming part of it, still recording it locally and then uploading it for the various uh, hosting places like YouTube and every, everywhere else. Yeah, so, so the reason we used Hangout was just because of, you know, for, for workflow reasons, it's a really quick and easy way to do it because for each session, uh, I was able to create a, a Hangout event ahead of time, which had all the details in it, um, uploaded images for it, was available, and you, I could share those links beforehand. So I could send out a, I send out a mass mailing before the conference started with the, the times of all the sessions and links to them so people could just click on those events and watch them live. So that was really useful to be able to set up those events. And when it was time to, to actually do the Hangout, all I needed to do was open the event, uh, start it, and it would stream from, from that link, from that location, making it really easy for people to follow. And the handy thing about it is that um, 10 minutes after the event is finished, the video is available on YouTube, 
um, and I can add it to a playlist and that playlist is already embedded in the front page of our website. So anyone coming to the website looking for the sessions is able to see that event without me doing any work. And really the reason we did this was for, for workflow to cut out to cut out time because mm-hmm. um, to, to, to do to do it any other way would have involved um, more work. It would have involved some editing work, some up- upload, and essentially, um, you know, I, I was kind of working 12-hour 12, 12 days anyway, getting all the stuff online, and to add stuff, to add to add more elements to it would have been um, unfortunate. But uh, the problem, so yeah, I really appreciate the fact that Hangouts is quite easy to use. Um, unfortunately, it's unreliable. <laughs> Uh, partly it's because Google keeps changing it and yep. it's kind of cutting edge so I use Hangouts a lot for work I'm, I'm at least once a week I do a live Hangout um, often more than that and it's it changes so often and things that work one day don't work the next day and yeah it's under constant development but it me- makes it really hard to use because it's inconsistent and uh, if you have to have calls with other people uh, it's really sometimes difficult to get them to understand how to use it because the Interface isn't always straightforward, and once again, because it changes, the, it's very yeah, it's, it's 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 much it's much harder for an ordinary user to use than something like Skype or, or something that they're used to. So, yeah, um, we and were kind of annoyed with with Google, and at one point, the, it just stopped working. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, we had no reason at all. It just um, the the Hangout just would not go live. And, yeah, uh, it wasn't connection speed. The connection was fine. Um, it was. Google being Google. Google being Google, and yeah, because they don't do. Google does have a customer support that you can contact, but that's only for advertising. So if you're paying the money, you can phone a call center and they'll rapidly sort your problems out. But if you're having a technical problem with Google, that's just tough. Yeah, and just so people have an idea too, there's um, development towards trying to meet these things from a free and open source um, perspective on it. And part of this is actually some of the stuff that we can touch on of uh, getting funding towards developing the Mexico system that May 1st does. Uh, because I imagine, I at least envision down the road that that service will have some way to do streaming automatic, automatically down the road. So um, the, it's a good learning experience to take from what Google is doing to try to figure out how we can adapt it um, I know a comrade in Mexico has actually done some work on that, but it requires pretty extensive internet connections, um, and it's not streamlined yet. So there's some element and some development that's going into it, um, and it's it's unfortunately using the enemy to figure out how the enemy works to then figure out how we can build it better. Um, but it it was a challenge. I know there are a number of times that we figured out methods to streamline our work and then we ended up getting more work where I kept having to elbow you to switch the slides because Mm -hmm. we were doing screen sharing with it. So Walton would have the the presentation up and um, he'd be literally clicking it as a person that was doing the presentation on the overhead would do it. And eventually we got that working um, towards the end of this, uh, towards the end of the week so that, well, actually, no, we never did get it working, well, did we? we? We got it working, except that was the day that it wouldn't live stream. Yeah. So once we managed to streamline and get everything running absolutely perfectly, we decided this was the Thursday, which is yeah. the second last day of the conference. We thought that we had finally um, worked out a really streamlined way of doing this. It was going to be absolutely stress-free. We are going to have an amazing day. Yeah. We'd actually have the time to listen to the interventions instead of just running around trying to get the tech working. We had it all set up. It was all perfect. We, we, we clicked we click Go. Uh, nothing happened and it wouldn't live stream. <laughs> so we had our backup system, which was much more involved of recording it in high definition on another camera that we then would upload to YouTube. Um, but, I mean, it, just for people to keep in mind, we're dealing with a lot of labor folks, labor union members and, and, and activists that 
are not used to technology being an issue necessarily from like right there they're you know expecting us to be able to maintain everything and when shit hits the fan they're looking at us like well why don't you fix it and (laughs) it's just like well we can't fix the internet it's not our problem and i mean the good the one thing that i that walton and i were debriefing about is you know the the benefit of of like in this case may 1st and a consortium trying to put this together trying to figure out how to run this type of streaming on our own and putting it in a method it it makes it easier for us to debug because we can go directly into the server and find out whereas you know obviously not just proprietary but when it's a service that may be free and open source that's run by some other organization you may not have direct access to trying to figure out what what the issues and connectivity problems may be um but it was a it was a challenging week it was stressful i think this obviously this year was much better than last year i think overall i think last year we were so stressed running all over the place that i barely had the chance to even pay attention to any of the content of the panels whereas this year i actually remember paying attention to it Mm -hmm. um and was able to actually talk to a number of uh people that were there about some of the technology tools that we are using such as cbcrm that we previously mentioned um as methods of maintaining membership and and organizing and that seems like it has uh, planted some seeds in a couple of heads uh, for possible discussions down the road on what they can do. Um, and so there's a lot of a lot of hope with it. There's a lot that we learned and a lot of phenomenal panels. Um, and I've had the honor to meet Bill Fletcher and you as well. Um, if people are not familiar with him, you should definitely look up his work. And I'll try to put a link into some of his work. But he was the one that I studied a lot in graduate school um, and was just like it took coming to the UK and to meet him. And he's a very approachable person um, and is very interesting just because a lot of people immediately understood that he had Black Panther experience and um and has a lot of critiques and valid, valid critiques within the movements um, and within socialist Marxist communities as well. So it was really, really intriguing. And um, I I just had a really good time. Met a phenomenal amount of people. Some that I'll be taking connections back when I go back to the U.S., which for all you don't know, I'll be moving there in September. (laughs) Yeah, and and I guess what I took out of it is that it wasn't just a a school and a conference. It really felt like we were building a movement built getting together just some of the um some of the some of the best people in the movement today and, and getting them networked and communicating with each other and we'd like to use things like CBCRM to help um with the technical side of, of that movement building and getting people connected to each other um as obviously you realize we did record all of this it is all online and it really was an amazing conference so we, we did record we did it i thought i deleted them online. all afterwards <laughs> it is all online so um if you if you want to check out a some really really fantastic cutting edge political and union content it's all at uh, usilive.org forward slash iss14 yeah. Uh, and also there's some stuff on the ISS14 hashtag on, on Twitter and probably also on Google Plus and Facebook and places like that. Yeah, and I just I want to re- re-emphasize that there's a lot there. I mean, it's from labor history and understanding how where we are to, to this day and really d- great discussions on the over-global global macro element of, of what the system is looking like. I mean, these are all different sessions that have different videos that are really go into great detail and lo- ones that will cause a tremendous amount of controversy and discussion, and that was part of the idea of these plenaries. So we want to encourage you all to, to, to watch them um, and discuss them as well with us in the various social networks that we're on because I think they're really good content for not just the people that were there but for everybody that can actually take a look at them. Yeah, and, and some of the subject 
subjects included things like uh, trade union responses to climate change, and it was quite a heated discussion with the, you know, sort of a, a pro-environmentalist, really, really good intervention, and then an opposing view of someone who called it all sort of fairy dust, and, <laughs> you know, actually quite a, a robust intervention from a Scottish trade unionist. Uh, there was, it certainly, if nothing else, um, it, it, it's an entertaining watch because he essentially walked into a room of people who are nodding along to this whole climate change thing and, and threw it through a grenade yeah um which was good and then um there was some really good discussion also about the the relationship between the between trade unions and political parties it's a session called the slow death of the set of the socialist international which is mm -hmm. about essentially the sellout of social democratic parties uh and uh, yeah things about organizing precarious workers and um just generally a lot of really really fantastic content that deserves a wide audience yeah definitely definitely Really a great time. Uh, phenomenal amount of people from all over the world. Um, and uh, it, was, it was just great to, to see that. Although the, the Latin America was not uh, was not attending this year. Last year they had one delegate from there. But it would be nice to see if they can get more for next year. Um, I don't claim myself to be from there, even though I was coming from Mexico City. <laughs> but, yeah, so, wow. That's a lot in action packed, and we haven't hit, even hit the labor section of this discussion. <laughs> okay, so uh, shall we just do a, a relatively short section on labor? The next bit. Well, I don't know if it's labor, but I guess it's not labor. But it's I, not labor. I think I think it. I don't know if it's going to be short because I think there's a lot that can go into it. Um, not to to try to extend it, but um, you know the 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 uh, the pay's not great, but the work is hard. Are you up for it? Being in Scotland, uh, I've run into many people that have said no, and many people who have said yes, and I think it's more people that have said yes. What are they saying yes or no to about, Walton? Right, so on the 18th of September, Scotland faces a referendum on whether it wants to be an independent country, whether it wants to break away from the United Kingdom and become an independent country, and it's become a really, really interesting debate, um, which split along all sorts of really strange and interesting lines. Uh, the, the no camp is supported by kind of all the establishment political parties, so the Conservatives and the Lib Dems, uh, but also Labour have got together in this camp that they call Better Together. And uh, essentially that is the British establishment saying that, that they're better together. And um, the, there is a, a... From the Labour people, there's a bit of a left-wing argument that they attempt to make about... Uh, class solidarity across borders and you know the a worker a bus driver in glasgow's got more in common with a bus driver in liverpool and a laird in the highlands and they're making that kind of argument the problem is it wears quite thin because of growing inequality in the uk the fact that the nhs is being privatized in england the fact that they're growing food banks and the fact that the labor government even if it does win the 2015 elections has promised to maintain the program of austerity so this idea of the uk social welfare model is completely off the table. It's not on the agenda anymore. In opposition to this is the Yes movement. The biggest uh, component of the Yes movement is the Scottish National Party, uh, which is actually not really a traditional nationalist party. It's a kind of uh, centre-left, light social democratic party, which has essentially, essentially arguing for Scottish independence from the point of view more of local democracy than nationalism. Now, the no camp tends to characterize the pro-independent supporters as being kind of flag-waving, nationalist, braveheart fanatics. Um, they have been actually quite disgusting in 
some in in many cases uh, comparing yes supporters to Nazis and you know young yes supporters to being the Hitler Youth. Um, the the whole campaign from no has been around fear and negativity, and uh, we've been bombarded with absolutely unbelievable scare stories from from no, including things like you know the big ones like you know you, you won't have a currency because the UK will take away your ability to use the pound. You'll be kicked out of Europe. Uh, you'll be kicked out of uh, NATO. The fact that um, that Scotland's not in NATO will and this is a quote allow the forces of darkness to be unleashed uh, as Islamic terror rips its way through the established Western order due to the weakness of the Scots. Um, England will be forced to bomb Scotland's borders. Um, there will be razor wire and guard towers like uh, separating England and Scotland. It's just like really fucking horrible, nasty stuff which is coming out of people really quite disgusting, negative campaigning. Um and uh, the official yes campaign has been a bit fluffy. I mean, they they have, I guess, what would be, uh, I would call pretty much one of the most inspiring manifestos from mainstream politics I've seen in a really, really long time because nowhere else really do you see anyone actually proposing social democracy. And they released a document called the White Paper, which is their proposal for what an independent Scotland would be like. And it's basic social democracy. It has free education, it has a national health service which is not um, cannot be privatized. Um, it has they they're offering free childcare, which is actually quite a would be a really really amazing thing for uh, women's equality and make a real difference to a lot of working class women. Um, and yeah, they're they're proposing a lot of decent centre left stuff, but um, the the real dynamic. Uh, and interesting stuff comes not from the official yes movement, not from the Scottish National Party, but from the the kind of independent yes campaigners. And there are loads and loads of, of groups which have set up um, pretty much spontaneously. And some of them include uh, the Radical Independence Campaign, um, which is sort of, it's not party political, but it has a lot of Greens and a lot of socialists in it and a lot of anarchists, um, a range of just sort of left of centre people who are trying to use the opportunity of Scottish independence to push a much more radical political agenda and also to increase engagement. So the most important thing Rick has been doing is uh, mass canvassing in, in deprived working class areas. People who have not ever voted, who have never been spoken to by a politician in their lives, are going around and uh, knocking on doors and registering people to vote and saying, this is your opportunity to go and tell those bastards what you think of them and to take power back into your own hands and never, ever let it go again to use this opportunity to completely seize power and make Scotland a different country where the people are genuinely sovereign. It's not just an elite transition to uh, a different ruling class. Then there is uh, Commonweal, which uh, is a project of something called the, the, the Jimmy Reid Foundation, uh, which is also um, a really inspiring, I guess, think tank um, of what, what kind of country Scotland should be in. And they have some really good quality policy on everything from... Um, uh, sort of digital freedoms and uh, you know things along the kind of Icelandic model of the um, International Modern Media Institute that Iceland has of, of guaranteeing freedoms from surveillance and uh, privacy and all that kind of thing to industrial policy having like a you know really really good strong uh, policy on trade unions to things on living wage and uh, on green jobs on 
currency and a lot of really, really interesting ideas. Uh, there's women for independence, there's Scottish Asians for yes, there's English Scots for yes, there's Africans for independence, there's green yes, there's just this plethora of groups which have sprung up. And essentially what's happened is that lots and lots of people in Scotland who've never been politically active before have become experts in their particular field of interest. Mm -hmm. So if it's technology or land reform or whatever it is, these people have become absolute experts in that particular field and they're determined to use the independence referendum as an opportunity to advance that particular cause as much as possible. Essentially because independence seems to mean basically a chink in the neoliberal armour. Um, it's no, There's no guarantee at all that if Scotland votes yes, that things will be better. However, suddenly for the first time there is an actual alternative. There, there is there is the actual possibility to, to reboot and start the country again from scratch and do things entirely differently. And for that reason, I'm very, very keen on, on the referendum and very much in favour of a yes vote because I really do think it is an opportunity to um, do things fundamentally differently. Nothing to do with nationalism, nothing to do with flags. I'm, as you can hear by my accent, I'm South African, I'm not Scottish. Um, a lot of the people supporting the Yes campaign are not Scottish at all, have no interest in uh, stereotypical ideas of Scottish nationalism. It's not about that at all. It's about local democracy, taking control of your country, taking control of your neighbourhood and making it that into a place that puts all of us first, that puts people first. And uh, I think it's, a, it's an opportunity we can't afford to miss. That sounds really great. And uh, I mean, I, I know there are a number of people that are questioning what's going on because some, some have said that independence movements in other countries have, have become divergent and have split lefts and, and has split um, movements. And a lot of the cases, um, as independence eventually happens, everything's built up to that point and then it just stops. Mm -hmm. And so what what can you say to, to, to about that? Because it seems like there, I mean, there have been many independence movements. I mean, let, let's look at the Commonwealth Games, which is coming up in the next two weeks, and how many of those countries are now independent nations from from the UK or from the from I guess England, um, and and many of them seem to be fine financially speaking. Um, and I know just to settle one thing that again, this is nothing new for independence. Uh, they, what, if a vote were to happen and they were to vote in favor, there would be negotiations about what is what and how things are determined. Hopefully it doesn't do what Spain did, which is give the countries complete debts. Um, but um, because, I mean, I know that many countries in Latin America are still paying off debts to Spain in some form or another. Um, but uh, so, yeah. So what 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 can you say about um, those those concerns about other independence movements and how this one is different? Yeah. Well, um, or is it? it? It is different. And the I don't think that people who are campaigning for yes think that by voting yes things will change. I think they realize that um, by voting yes they can create the conditions which allow change to happen but it will require continued uh, civic engagement and um, slowly the mainstream media has begun to, to take notice of this and they've begun referring to something which they call Third Scotland. It's, uh, it's not party political, it's not official no, it's not the official yes campaign, but it's, uh, it's, it's a movement of people who um, are really trying to make a political difference and not in the established way, not by voting in political parties, but in all sorts of other kinds of campaigning. And that is not going to go away. Whatever happens in the referendum, that is not going to go away. And 
you can't help but notice it when you when you're in Scotland. Um, if you, I mean, I've been noticing this for months now. Like if I go to the bus stop or I get on a bus or I'm walking down the street, I hear people talking to each other about politics uh, in a way that I've I've never really heard before, except maybe in South Africa at around about the time of the first democratic election. But strangers are talking to each other on public transport about politics and. Um, and it's quite inspiring stuff. There's a lot of really, you know, um, I, I think all over the world, um, opinion polls always show that if you, uh, people generally favor socialism. I mean, they don't usually use that word, but if you if you say to people, are you in favor of free education, free healthcare, all that kind of stuff, people really like that kind of, you know, people are totally in favor of that. And suddenly, you know, people are discussing these issues amongst themselves and saying, hey, you know, this might actually be an opportunity to not be ruled by uh, aristocrats and the House of Lords and uh, this distant elite down in London, to not have our lives dominated by bankers. And, uh, you know, we could actually do things differently. And there's this, this, there's, there's this like, awakening. Uh, there's a Scottish writer called Leslie Riddock who's written a book called Blossom. And she argues that there is a, this, the, there's a, a blossoming of the, the democ- democratic intellect, the democratic spirit in in Scotland, and it's not going to go away. And it really is not just about Scotland being an independent country, Scotland having its own flag, Scotland finding a national anthem, all that kind of thing. It's not about that at all. It's about people realizing that um, there, there really is an opportunity to do things differently. Um, one of the most ironic and remarkable things about the whole Scottish independence movement is that it is actually defending the things that used to make Britain great. And this is something that's really bizarre, but Britain used to have free education. And the NHS is one of the, 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 the best products of the, the British welfare state. Uh, it was created in, 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 um, after the Second World War. And uh, that has been completely sold out in England. It's been, um, they have um, put into law that it, it can be privatized which means that when uh, TTIP, the new trade agreement, comes into, into play, um, the, the corporations will actually be able to sue any government which um, uh, stops market provision of, of, of services and all that kind of thing. And Scotland, bizarrely, has held on to the things which used to make Britain a great social welfare state. So written into Scottish law that the NHS cannot be privatised. And... They, in Scotland, they're committed to the old parts of the of, 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 of the welfare state. And it's really interesting to see that dynamic and to see people saying that we actually don't want to live in a neoliberal country and we think there are alternatives and we're going to insist on them. So I, I really do think it is different. That's, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a really good point. Um, a lot of points for that matter. Uh, and it, it's interesting just to see it because I, I can't remember the last, I mean, the last really big independence movement that... Um, was capturing Europe, I, I, I think, would be like the, some of the splits between what is it, Serbia, Herzegovina, when it was all together, and to yeah, the Czech Republic felt yeah. divorce. Um, there's there's um, the splits in the in, in Belgium and in um, potential splits in Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these are quite different. I mean, like Flams belong in the Netherlands. I mean, in, in in Belgium is essentially the richer part, Flanders, wanting to be rid of the poorer part. It's the same dynamic in, in Italy where Liga Nord is campaigning for independence of the North, which is wealthier than the South. 
um, it's actually those these are actually quite right wing movements. Mm-hmm. Um, in in Scotland, it's actually it's actually quite different. It's a um, it's essentially a country which is very much ruled by absentee landlords, and the tenants want to evict the landlord. Huh. Well, I I don't know if there's more to really go on it. I think there's a lot out there. There's I think we'll put a link into um, the Radical Independence campaign because mm-hmm. I have a lot of information out there. Um, I know I've had this discussion, and I know Kevin and McNallu and others will 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 be interested because we did discuss this the other night over drinks. And I, of course, being the foreigner, talking about independence is always an interesting uh, segue. But you know, when there's discussion of things on the left, and the left is actually actively involved in this. And not necessarily as split as lefts have been before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really interesting, especially since the right is not leading this. Mm-hmm. At least that's my feeling. Um, although some others may say that there there are nationalists in Scotland that are you know vying for an, the the right side of it, but it doesn't seem Scotland has that tendency. I've never I've never seen it. There, there are um, there are some centre right people who are pro independence, and, and some of the kind of business groups who see a business opportunity. Um, but I don't think they're as powerful as the as the left forces who are pro independence. Yeah, so it seems that the the most most of the pro maintain or pro um, unification, so to speak, uh, or maintaining the unification is the mainstream media, um, mm-hmm. and it's just odd to see Labour and Tories on the same side of something um, when they should clearly be on opposing sides. Um, if not for the fact that Cameron has said to to yeah. the media what. If Scotland breaks away, it'll break my heart. Well, fuck it. Let's break his heart. heart. (laughs) That's just motivation. uh, And I I, I can't think of any better motivation than that um, in and of itself. Um, Yeah, and the Labour Party just completely fails to inspire in any way. They offer no vision, no alternative, which is why the Scottish National Party has been able to essentially steal their social democratic clothes and say, yeah, yeah, something not too radical, but let's have free health care, free education, and free childcare and be a civilized country yeah well i guess that's the start of a longer discussion about this because i'm sure we'll have more as Mm -hmm. september 18th uh comes forward uh so if you're voting if you're voting no uh election september 19th if you're voting yes it's september 18th just keep that in mind it's a very important thing to keep in mind and also if you're voting no you're not able to come up here two weeks before uh from england to vote but if you are voting yes you can actually come up here two weeks before um just just so you know but the the nice little details that you should be aware of <laughs> yeah yeah yes voters anyone who's in favor of scottish independence you're welcome to move to scotland from anywhere in the world uh, register to vote and uh, vote in the 18th well not anywhere in the world apparently i'm not allowed to come here because i'm american and right. i can't if you, vote if, you, if you're commonwealth or european you can move to scotland and vote yes <laughs> Uh, so great well I think that covers our sort of now independence section instead of labor section mm-hmm. um, and I guess we'll do a little bit of feedback help will come whenever it's needed cheer my comrades cheer I wanted to actually uh, there are a couple of things that we've gotten a, a couple of new listeners I know McNellu you started listening the other day which is great um, I know that we have um, a couple of listeners from California that have come on. Um, Jay Sheldon, who also became a May 1st member, um, uh, that has come on to listening to the show as well. So welcome, uh, as well as to others that have discovered us uh, because we've been away for two months. Um, the other the only thing, the other thing I really wanted to give, uh, which I should have said in the updates, um, I just want to share a really good book I'm reading mm-hmm. um, that is called Strike for America. Um, and it's I got this when I was in Labor Notes back in April uh, from... Um, one of the editors of Jacobin magazine. So I want—I just want to push this out there because I think it's a really phenomenal piece. 
Uh, I'm only halfway through it, and it's not a very long read, but I'll put a link in the in the show notes for where you can get it because I really want to say that the book is inspiring. It's talking about the Chicago Teachers Union and the what it got to get them to to go on the strike that they took, which was phenomenal. And really, he, he encompasses the the story um, and it embraces a lot of the his own experiences because Michael was actually in Chicago at the time, um, and. Uh, and he so there's a lot of experiences from him on the streets but also really good tight um research into the development of what they had to do to the union because the union was not really it had never had not been a left um union activist group for quite some time i'm talking decades at this point there have been efforts to try to change it but nothing's sustainable and it seems that their model at least from what i've read so far seems like it is actually pretty sustainable and it's something that a lot of your labor unions should be learning um specifically in the united states because that's the context of where it comes from but it inspires others around the world that have a very stiff union leadership that doesn't want to do the right thing so uh again strike for america it's a really really good book i'll put it up there on the show notes so you can all go and get it um, other than that, uh, I don't know if there's any other feedback. I think there was some issue with our RSS stream, our feed at one point, which we now have an HTTPS and an HTTP version of it so people can subscribe to it to their podcasting applications that are not always HTTPS friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's all I can think of for now. Do you have yeah. any? No, that'll do. Great. Um, but yeah, it was an interesting experience recording across a table instead of across the internet. Yeah, I don't know if this will ever happen in, again in the next year. Maybe next year it could happen, um, but uh, not in the near future unless you make your way down to Mexico in the next month mm-hmm. or to the States in the next year. <laughs> so on that all, see you all when we record again, which there is no promise on when that will be. Visit us at cyberunions.org. Follow us on Twitter and Identica at CyberUnions or on Reddit slash r slash CyberUnions. You can also email us feedback or grievance at CyberUnions.org. Thank you for listening.